Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to your Saturday, August 15th, day after game edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez, presented by Penn Medicine, the official health system of the Philadelphia Flyers and Wells Fargo Center. Coming up, you're going to hear the post-game press conference from Flyers head coach Elaine Vigneault. Get his breakdown of the game, what he thought went wrong in the Flyers' 5-0 defeat in game number two against the Montreal Canadiens. Nothing went right for the Flyers in the game, and it started out early in the game. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens came out flying, scored in the first minute and a half of the hockey game, I think a minute five into the game, uh, on Thomas Tatar's goal. And the Flyers really never able to get their, their feet under them, get their legs moving. It was one of those days where nothing went their way. And uh, I understand it's throwing a lot of Flyers fans for a loop. Why? Well, it's something that we haven't seen uh, from the Flyers in a really long time. As a matter of fact, since January 7th, We've only seen the team lose seven times. Number one, they haven't lost back-to-back since January 4th and January 7th. Perhaps more disturbing for people because of the way it looked and the fact that they were dominated in the hockey game uh, from the jump. And really, you know, they had 30 shots on Carey Price but didn't do a great job putting traffic around him, didn't do a great job taking his vision away and his ability to track pucks. Uh, They just did not have their game on this day. And Sometimes that'll happen. But also, remember, it's just one game. Just like game one for Montreal was just one game, it was one loss. It doesn't matter if you score 10 goals, one goal, as long as you win the game. It counts for the same in a series. And the Flyers need to come out on Sunday when they take on the Canadians at 8 o'clock Sunday night and take care of business and turn over a new leaf. Now, why did it happen? That's, that's really the question that people want to know. Now, game one... They dominated the first period of that game. In the second period, Montreal was all over the Flyers, and Carter Hart uh, kept them at bay, and they scored a goal 16 seconds after uh, Montreal tied it, and they were able to hang on in that game, and they, and they played a good third period in Game 1 as well. I think a lot of people are forgetting that. Just because they didn't have a ton of scoring chances didn't mean they didn't play well. They only gave up six shots in the third period in Game 1. In game 2, they were dominated from start to finish. And when you come back and they're a team that won 9 out of 10 and, and kind of breezed their way, if you will, through the round robin, only giving up one goal to each one of those teams and beating them by multiple goals in every game, and then you go out in game one and maybe you don't have uh, your most complete game, but you still come away with a win, and then you come into this one, maybe you're feeling a little bit chesty and a little overconfident, and they didn't have their game, and, and they got smacked down to earth. Uh, as a result, and that can that can be a good thing. They got to use that as a good thing. You'd rather lose this game from a Flyers fan standpoint, five to nothing, than you would three to two. If they didn't play great and they lost three to two, the lesson doesn't get driven home. When you lose five to nothing and you're embarrassed, then it gets driven home that we have to be better, a lot better. And I think that's what the effect of this will be. Uh, sure, there are some concerns, and we're going to get to some of those coming up in Twitter questions, but uh, the, the Flyers got to use this as fuel. One of the other elements, this is an excuse-making, um, but you, you know that after game one, that Claude Julian went to the hospital with chest pains and then had to have a surgery to have a stent put into an artery, and he wasn't available to be on the bench, and you knew his players were going to rally for him and rally around him, and it was going to galvanize the group. That's an element of this game as well. But the Flyers have to have known that, and you have to know that you're going to get their best effort because they lost game one and they felt like they, they stuck with you. Uh, and then number two, to galvanize behind their head coach who 
they like playing for. He is a player's coach. So all, all of those elements went into it. fact of the matter is, Elaine Vigneault and the Philadelphia Flyers prepare his team in, in such a manner where they bounce back. And here's, here's the proof of it. All season, this Flyers team, from January 4th and January 7th, the last time they lost back-to-back games to Arizona and Carolina, every time they've had a loss, they've bounced back from that loss. The loss in, on January 7th to Carolina, they came back home that next day and beat the Washington Capitals 3-2. to Their next loss came on January 11th against the Tampa Bay Lightning, and their next game was against the Boston Bruins, and they won that game 6-5 to in a shootout. The next loss was to the Montreal Canadiens, and they came back after that and beat the uh, Los Angeles Kings 4-1. to Next loss, Pittsburgh in overtime, they came back and they beat Colorado. Lost to New Jersey. Five to nothing. Does that score sound familiar? They came back the next game after that on the road, mind you, and beat the Washington Capitals seven to two. They lost to the New York Islanders. They came back. They beat the Florida Panthers. They lost to the Tampa Bay Lightning again. Came back and they beat the Columbus Blue Jackets. They have not lost back-to-back games since January fourth and January seventh. And all of those teams that they beat after a loss, with the exception of the Kings, are playoff teams. Some of them are even beyond that. Boston was the best team in the regular season. Washington was the team that they were chasing for the top spot in the division. They beat them twice. Colorado, one of the best teams in the Western Conference. So Florida at that time was playing for their playoff lives. Columbus was as well. So you look at the way that they've bounced back in these situations and know that that's part of the character of the team and that's part of their DNA. Sometimes we get carried away and we and in the moment and the team looks great and is playing great and then you get this notion subconsciously in your head that they're never going to lose again the Flyers were not going to go 16-0 in the Stanley Cup playoffs that wasn't going to happen they had a loss now they have to recover from it the good news again is that they're a team that rebounds from losses now if they come out Sunday and they have the same kind of lackluster effort and execution, then there's cause for concern. Until that happens, I'm not going to get overly concerned about it. There are some things I'm concerned about. There's some players that I'm concerned about. And there's guys that are getting paid to score but haven't scored. So we'll talk about that when we take some Twitter questions. But let's get to the head coach. After the game two loss, Elaine Vigneault addressed the media. During the season, especially in the second half, you guys were a team that – played high-energy hockey, wearing down teams over the course of the game. What has been the problem with the energy? It seems like it's there, but it doesn't seem like it's been directed in a positive way, at least today. Yeah, I mean, you have to talk about today, and, you know, we got our, our butts kicked today in all facets of the game. Uh, you know, they outworked us, they outplayed us, they out-executed us. Uh, so, at the end of the day, I mean, we, we got our butts kicked today. How surprised are you that the team came out so flat for a game of this magnitude? I mean, this wasn't a midseason game, obviously. It was a it was a playoff game, and, and they just didn't seem to have the hunger in the first period. I mean, that's a real good question. Uh, there's no doubt that uh, Montreal's will tonight to uh, play the right way and, and uh, to do the right things was much higher than ours. Uh, at this time of the year, with the importance of the game, you certainly don't expect that. You know, at the end of the day, we're going to have to uh, turn the page and move on and get ready for the next one because there's no doubt that uh, they're ready. 
how concerned, Elaine, are you with the, um, the, the top players on your team uh, still haven't gotten on the board yet? Well, I mean, there, there's no doubt that, uh, you know, in, in any time, whether it be in-season hockey or playoff hockey, you need your top players to be driving the bus. And uh, right now, uh, I know their, their intentions are, are good, but uh, it has to transform itself on the ice surface. And uh, there's no doubt. I mean, tonight, I mean, it was a, the total team was off. So we hadn't had one of those in, in a long time. We've been playing some pretty good hockey lately. At the same time, we all pl- had, you know, we picked a bad time to pick a, to play a bad game, but we did. Uh, Elaine, I think you've already answered this, but you know, there are two ways to look at this. You can, you can either move on or, or, or try to use this as, as a teachable moment. And uh, where do you, where do you come down on that? Well, I mean, playoff hockey is, is about winning four games. And right now, the series is tied 1-1. There's no doubt that, uh, you know, they outplayed us in all facets of the game tonight, especially in, in the will department. Um, so we're going to need to be a lot better. Uh, I saw towards the end of the game there where Kirk Muller there have got a 5 nothing lead, and he puts his number one power play on the ice. Uh, we had embarrassed ourselves enough. I don't think we needed to get embarrassed more. more. So I'm going to make sure our team is uh, very aware of that next game. Yeah, Lane Vigneault, none too pleased that uh, Kirk Muller, the uh, interim coach, while Claude Julien cannot be on the bench, put out his uh, number one power play unit with three minutes left in the game. Um, I This isn't something that I would worry about. I think Elaine Vigneault, I don't think he's worried about it, to be honest with you, either. I think what he's doing is, is he's using it as fuel to motivate his team. He's a savvy guy with messaging, um, and he'll use that. It, well, will, will it work? I don't know. That's up to each individual player. Kirk Muller said, hey, we, didn't, we haven't had a long training camp. We don't get a lot of practice time. We wanted to work on our power play. Okay, whatever. Uh, I don't have a problem with the team putting out their number one power play unit in that spot. He, and I suspect Aline Vigneault really doesn't, but he's going to use it as fuel for his team. All right, let's get to some Twitter questions, and they are aplenty. Anthony tweets in, at Spunky41182, and he says, uh, this is a team referring to the Flyers that has prided itself on a string of victories pre- and post-pause. Is this the punch in the gut of reality that they need to re-rack and sharpen focus plus sticking to detail? Uh, I totally agree. That is, that's what it better be. Um, that's what it should be. Um, is that what it is? We'll only know that come Sunday or going forward. Uh, but that's a 5 nothing loss in an embarrassing fashion. That is what it should be. And that should be the effect of it. To sharpen focus, to pay attention to the details of the game, do things the right way. Uh, Isaiah from uh, the Orange and B podcast uh, tweets in and he says, looks like some changes are in order regarding the roster. Some dependent on TK's health. Uh, is Raffle in if healthy and one of Ghost or Braun out for ha- Robert Haig? Uh, maybe Bunneman in and bump JVR out. Um, I would think that if they're going to take a defenseman out, I would think it would be Ghost. And I don't think it would be Braun because Braun and Robert Haig work very well together. For some reason, the pairing of Ghost with with Braun isn't cohesive. It just doesn't seem to work. I don't think you get the most out of Ghost, and I don't think you get the most out of Braun. Um, so I think that Elaine Vigneault will opt for Robert Haig to come into the lineup with Braun and gain that physical presence as well, and plus some little, a little more help 
uh, in regards to penalty killing. As far as Bunnerman for JVR, that remains to be seen. And obviously, Travis Konechny's health is a big question mark, um, and we don't know what that situation is. He did, obviously didn't return to the game. But that being said, if Travis Konechny is healthy or if Michael Raffle's healthy, th- this will change the numbers here. Another guy I'd, I'd kind of be on the lookout for because by his usage – um, Joel Farabee may be a guy that he considers as well. Um, Joel didn't play a tremendous amount in the game. I think through two periods, he only had six minutes of, uh, of ice time in the entire game. He took a couple of really big hits too. He ended up playing uh, 10 minutes and 20 seconds. Um, but that's another guy to keep an eye on. AV may decide to maybe rest him and uh, let him just regather himself because he's been really kind of um, hit heavy a couple times, uh, not only in game two, but in game one as well. Uh, Colin tweets in, he says, how much of this loss do you attribute to the factor of Montreal rallying behind the loss of Claude Julian? Well, it, to me, it's a factor. It absolutely is. Anybody that's played sports and had a coach that you that you really liked playing for, if something like that happened, the team is going to rally around him. And plus, the team is looking for things to rally around, looking for ways to galvanize the group, and that was uh, that was delivered to them. And, and we hope that obviously Claude Julian um, is well and and on the road to recovery. Um, Hockey is life tweets in and says, do you think today's game explained as simply as they became complacent? They let the Habs speed dictate the game and, and didn't play their own style. Stood around watching. I think they're a mostly young group and maybe they needed uh, a butt whooping to wake them up. That's his two cents. Um, yeah, I think I, I do think that they were a little complacent. I don't know that they came into the game not taking Montreal serious. But again, I think it's the combination of winning the three round robin games with relative ease, you know, you, you won them comfortably, and then coming into game one and not having a complete game and still coming away with a win. That that opened the door for complacency in round two, and the Montreal Canadiens walked right through it. Uh, At Atlantic's Pity on Twitter says, uh, thoughts on Price's aggression in the crease as a fellow goalie. I feel like he's been swiping his blocker at people's visors a tad more than I'm used to seeing. Yeah, he absolutely is. Carey Price's hallmark is that he's always calm, never gets emotional, stays under control. I think Derek Grant has crashed into him now three times, and he's going after him twice. I am a little surprised to see it. Flyers staff, the coaching staff, I would look at that and say, okay, he can be rattled. Let's keep putting bodies around him and bumping him here and there when we can. One, it's not goalie interference, but let's make his life really difficult because clearly he doesn't like it. Uh, Zach Steffel tweets in and says, Flyers weren't their typical physical presence tonight. Is it better to throw the body or work on getting the stick in the passing lanes? Doesn't seem like playing the puck is working when they're freely throwing big checks constantly. Uh, It's a delicate balance. You have to play the body and you have to be physical. Um, But the key to playing the body is skating and moving and putting yourself in positions to take a guy out physically. You know, having sticks in passing lanes is paramount as well. Uh, but the key to hitting is is moving your feet, and the Flyers need to do a better job of that. Ungertaker on Twitter says, It's very rare for contenders to not show up for a playoff game and get heavily outworked. Do you think the Flyers underestimated Montreal, or do you think the Flyers are not conditioned well enough for this restart? Uh, I think they're conditioned. Everybody else is basically conditioned the same. So I don't think there's any disparity from one team to another. And I think the conditioning is fine. I'm not seeing stick penalties, which would tell me conditioning was an issue because they're trailing plays. To me, it's what I said before. It's the combination of coming in to the round robin and having a relatively easy time with really good teams and then coming in to game one, not having your best game and coming away with a win, 
and then setting yourself up for complacency in game two. Um, I think that's human nature. I don't think it was something consciously done. It's, it's in your subconscious. It just happens, and it happened with everybody at the same time, and that'll be alarming if they don't respond on Sunday. Paul Abarisi. I hope I said that right, Paul. You deserve to have your name said correctly. It's either Abarisi or Abarici, so I hope I got it right with one of those. He said, what's the biggest reason for the lack of production from the front three? I guess he means the top three. It's great having depth, but you need those guys to step up when the others can't get through. And you're absolutely right. I mean, it's great for Tyler Pitlick to score a goal. It's great for Nate Thompson to score a goal. It was great when Michael Raffle scored. But let's face it, if you're going to have success for the Philadelphia Flyers, your stars are going to have to lead the way. And there's guys right now that haven't scored. Travis Konechny, Claude Giroux, Sean Couturier, Voracek's got the one goal. Um, They need those guys. James Van Riemsdyk, they need to be on the score sheet. Um, Playing a decent game is okay if you're getting that depth scoring. But it wasn't a big worry until this game because they were getting away with it. It was happening and they were winning. But now that they got shut out five to nothing, it's more pronounced. That's when you need those lines to step up and carry you. And they need to start that coming up on Sunday. Those lines need to get going, need to produce, need to end up on the stat sheet. Steve tweets in and he says, I feel like Carter Hart still wasn't at fault for any of the goals given up. I'm curious why you think AV pulled him and also why he was pulled with uh, only about two minutes left in the second period. Why not wait until basically the intermission or the third period? It's a good question, Steve. Um, There was one goal I didn't like, and it was the second one. And the reason why I didn't like it is because it all stemmed um, from an indecisive mishandle um, from Carter playing the puck behind the net. And in that mishandle of the puck and turnover, he also lost his stick. Um, Then the Canadians were able to retain the zone, get back in on the forecheck, and maybe 10 seconds later, the goal goes in from uh, Jesperi Kakniemi. You have to be decisive when playing the puck as a goalie. You have to know exactly where you're going to go. He got tied up behind the net, loses the stick. And for a goalie, it's really difficult um, to make saves without a stick. It throws your whole body off not having that stick in front of you. And and I believe if he had his stick on that play, that pro- that's probably not a goal. And here's why. Because now he has an active stick, and he can deflect that puck away from Kakniemi that was laying in front of him for a second. Because he didn't have a stick, he had to kind of flail with his pads off balance and out of whack with no stick, and therefore Kakaniemi was able to put that one in. As for why he was pulled uh, with just two minutes left in the period, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I'd have to ask Elaine Vino that. Uh, I would probably would have preferred that he pull him in between the periods to let Brian Elliott stretch and get warmed up as best he could. Uh, but maybe he had just seen enough and he wanted to send a message to his team, and it's more pronounced when the goalie that started the game is skating to the bench while the backup uh, for the game is skating out there, it has a more profound effect on the team. Maybe that's part of the reasoning why. Teddy Bebo tweets in and he says, the Flyers appeared not ready from the opening faceoff. That usually falls on the coach. Is that the case here? I totally disagree. The coach has to have them ready for the game from a strategic standpoint. It is not a coach's job in professional sports. This is just my opinion. Some people may disagree. It's not the coach's job to motivate professional athletes. It is the athlete's job that when the puck is dropped, the ball is tipped, the opening pitch, whatever, kickoff, that they are mentally ready to play. These are adults. They're professional athletes. It's incumbent upon them to get themselves ready to play. 
The coach can't go in there and do a Herb Brooks speech before every game to make sure that everybody's up and ready to play. That falls on the players. I cannot put that on Elaine Vigneault. That's just me. A lot of people do, but I do not. Uh, Philip tweets in and he says, who do you think it's most important to step up after a game like this? Would like to see Giroux have a big game. Absolutely. Giroux needs to step up. He needs to be on the score sheet. He needs to take over shifts in games. His line does. Um, Sean Couturier does as well. It looks like Jake Voracek, at least a lot of that game, was moved back up with that line. That whole line needs to be great. It doesn't need to be good. It doesn't need to be net positive just in the sense that they didn't get scored on. It needs to be one that dictates a hockey game and dominates a hockey game, and that needs to happen coming up on Sunday. All right, that's going to put a wrap on Twitter questions. Uh, A lot of great questions. I hope I answered answered them as best I could, as honestly as I could. And look, the team will bounce back coming up on Sunday. And if they don't, then it'll be time to worry. Flyers Daily, uh, presented by Penn Medicine, the official health system of the Philadelphia Flyers and Wells Fargo Center. Supporting our Flyers, Penn Orthopedics creates the ideal care plan with treatment options fueled by our own world-renowned research, doing what once seemed impossible so you can too. Another reason why your life is worth Penn Medicine. Learn more at pennmedicine.org slash ortho and follow them on Twitter at Penn Medicine. An all-new episode coming up tomorrow, and it'll be game day. It's creeping right back up on you. Not a lot of time to wallow in the misery of this defeat uh, in Game 2 to the Montreal Canadiens. It's time to crank it up for Game 3 starting tomorrow. In the meantime, everybody, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you on tomorrow's episode of Flyers Daily. Holy diver, you've been down too long in the midnight.